the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you for joining me today. It's Wednesday, August the 11th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on August 11, 1992, the Mall of America, the nation's largest shopping entertainment center, opened in Bloomington, Minnesota. Today, 1906, in France, Eugene Lost, he received the first patent for a talking film. Today, in 1929, Babe Ruth hit his 500th home run against the Cleveland Indians. Excuse me. The Cleveland, is it Guardians? I think it's Guardians. They just changed their name the other day because they don't want to be Indians because that's racist. They're Guardians, I believe. Today, in 1972, the last U.S. ground forces were withdrawn from Vietnam. I was there in 74, the first time. I was there a number of times. It was not good. I probably should not have been there, but I was on a mission that I saw as eternal, working for the Lord, and I was there. Today, in 1997, President Bill Clinton made the first use of the historic line item veto. He rejected three items in spending and tax bills, but the U.S. Supreme Court later struck down that veto as unconstitutional. The president can't do that according to the Supreme Court. Today in 2012, Republican presidential contender Mitt Romney. If there's ever been anyone in politics that may have themselves a little overestimated, and they all do, or most of them, Mitt Romney would get the crown, in my opinion. But anyway, he announced his choice of Representative Paul Ryan of Wisconsin to be his running mate. Five years ago today, the Obama administration said it had decided that marijuana would remain on the list of most dangerous drugs, but he said he would allow more research into its medical or medicinal uses. He must have decided that it's really, really good for you because I saw some pictures and video from his party Saturday night at his house on in Martha's Vineyard. They were celebrating his 60th birthday. And boy, I've as a youth pastor, I've been around a lot of pot smoking in my life. No, I have never smoked pot, ever, or drugs. But I have seen a lot of it. I know what it smells like, and I know what it looks like. I couldn't smell it on the video, but I could sure see it. So they must have decided, Mr. Obama and his associates, that um, it's really good for you. <laughs> Because, boy, they were consuming a lot of it at that party. And others said that that was the case, that were there. One year ago today, Joe Biden named California Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate. Harris was the first black woman on a major party's presidential ticket. And one year ago today, the newly elected district attorney in Portland 
He said he would not prosecute people arrested on nonviolent misdemeanor charges during protests. Interestingly enough, while they were burning the streets and the buildings of Portland for more than 100 days consecutively, the media was reporting that they were mostly nonviolent, mostly peaceful. So nobody paid any consequences. That's part of the problem. Sometimes we just want to rush in and fix things, don't we? But the Bible says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. So if you ever feel helpless, that's a pretty good indication that God is going to increase your strength. The more helpless you feel sometimes in certain circumstances, particularly, the more the Lord will increase your strength. And then, of course, Isaiah wrote, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the word of the Lord. And that's the most important thing I'm going to say today is the word of the Lord. However, I do have some other things to share with you. Skyrocketing response times to Seattle Police Department, staffing shortages. That was the focus of attention at the Seattle City Council uh, meeting on public public, uh, safety yesterday. During the discussions on the SPD quarterly finance and staffing report, the City Council addressed the staffing levels and reports that response times for nearly Uh, for certain crimes, are taking now more than an hour to respond to. In other words, you have an emergency, live in Seattle, you have an emergency, you call the Seattle police, it'll be an hour or more before they get there. Now people are starting to get concerned. The Seattle police had said this is exactly what would happen, that response times, by virtue of what's happening, toward police and within the police departments, not only in Seattle, but particularly in Seattle and Portland. I mean, they're kind of the, the, the shining light of the darkness of what's going on now with police. But the times they said it'll get longer and longer for certain crimes. And they announced yesterday, they reported in the, in the meeting that over 300 officers have now left the Seattle Police Department. Como News talked to the Seattle Mayor, Jenny Durkin, about the consequences. And they said, isn't this related to the defund Seattle Police Department movement? She said, and I said it before, if you tell a group of employees that half of them are going to lose their job, it's not surprising that people would leave. Well, that's true. She has said that before. And it's very true that if you tell a group of people that half of them are going to lose their job, they're all going to start looking for another job. And part of them, some of them, many of them perhaps are going to leave. But she didn't start saying that until things got pretty dire. She was laughing about all of it when they were occupying Chop Hill or Capitol Hill. So the left is always a little bit kind of a day late at a dollar short on their thinking and on their decision-making. The leftists always seem to be a little short and they miss the mark 
because they don't have any fixed values. They simply don't by virtue of what they believe. They believe that everything is evolving, everything is in flux and change, and there are no real fixed eternal values upon which you make decisions. And you see this repeated over and over all across America, but nowhere less than right here in the Northwest. Oregon Governor Gate Brown very quietly signed a bill on July 14th. That's a while ago, several weeks ago. That bill that she signed on July 14th suspends a requirement for Oregon students to demonstrate reading, writing, and math proficiency in order to receive a high school diploma. But, I mean, here's me out here thinking that we're sending our kids and grandkids to school to get educated. Oh, no, that's not, no, 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 that's not what it's about anymore. We've been saying that on this program for quite some time. Now there's not even a pretense to educate, truly educate children. It's all about indoctrination. Why would, why was it such a secret signing? Usually they have, when they have a big thing they're proud of, they bring in, you know, certain people to stand around them and you've seen it and they sign the deal and so on. She had a private signing on this one. The press only became aware of it a few days ago. It's interesting. They're even asking, what happened? How come we didn't know about this? They've been calling Governor Brown, and according to the news reports I've read, she's not returning their calls. She doesn't want to talk about it. So they're talking about it. And I want to talk to you for a moment about it today, too, because it speaks to a larger issue than just Oregon. It's a problem. Even the far-left press, now they're trying to understand, what is she up to? Well, maybe I can help them. They're probably not listening, but maybe we can help them a little bit to tell you what she's up to. She is a classic so-called progressive. They are regressive. They have no basis for decision-making. And consequently, all of us in America get to pay the price for some of the stupid things that progressives so-called do. This is a case in point. Kate Brown signed a bill last month, a little bit of fanfare, none. It drops the requirement that high school students prove proficiency in reading, writing, and math. But they can still graduate, no problem. The Oregonian got on this when they learned about it. They're reporting that the governor has seemed to avoid discussing Senate Bill 744, her move to sign the bill, they say, not only uh, was not only public and was not public until recently because her office did not hold a signing ceremony or issue a press release. Why? They don't know why. Well, the paper, though, did point out that although the bill was first signed on July 14th, it wasn't added to the state's database until July 29 due to a <clears throat> glitch in the system. I want to talk to you a little bit about the glitch in the system. No, not that glitch. I think that's a made-up glitch myself, but there is a glitch in the system. And there's great consequences to dumbing down our kids. Our culture has been dumbed down. Unfortunately, the church has been dumbed down. And the church is being reformed. And I'm not talking about Calvin or, or, or Luther. 
It's a different kind of reformation. It's conforming the church to the world. And the world is becoming the informer of the church. And that's what's really wrong in our culture today. Newspaper says for the next five years, the Oregonian, for the next five years, an Oregon high school diploma will be no guarantee that the student who earned it can read or write or do math at a high school level. They also report that Brown was apparently undecided about actually signing the bill only a short time ago before she signed it. Brown is personally avoiding the press on the issue. She's not taking their calls. She's not responding to their emails or texts. But the governor's deputy communications director finally, according to what I read yesterday, finally came out and said in an email that she suspended the reading, writing, and math proficiency requirements while the state develops a new graduation standards that will benefit Oregon's black, Latino, Latina, Latinx, indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islander, tribal, and students of color. The paper says the bill could stay in effect for five years until new requirements. And it says that only their own editorial staff urged Brown to veto the bill, but she finally signed it. The editorial staff told Brown of the newspaper, our legislators should be focused on how to help students regain the ground they lost a year and a half of distance learning and hybrid learning, not lowering our standards. That's not what she wanted to hear. There's a guy that's often on Fox. He's very outspoken. I watch him a lot. He's a black guy, Leo Terrell. He's, uh, he was a former teacher, actually. Well, he was on Fox uh, last night. And or or I think it was was day before it was yesterday during the day, not last night, but anyway, yesterday. And um, he was on Fox and Friends. They're on during the daytime. And uh, he was talking about this. And uh, he said, blacks don't want Kate Brown's kind of help. He was aware of this, as you and I are now. And he said, uh, probably the other people of color don't either. But he said, I can tell you. We blacks don't want this. He said, I don't like this. He said, education is a key to the poverty cycle, and she's embarrassed about this and keeping it quiet because it insults people of color. They have eliminated a measuring tool, Terrell says, to determine quality and competency in these skills. It's a victory for teachers' unions because the teachers don't have to teach. How is this going to help people of color? He said, my mother had an ethnic eighth grade education, my dad a high school education. You lower standards, you dumb down kids. He said, I think it's embarrassing, insulting. I'm quoting him verbatim. And more importantly, he said, it's racist because it implies that just because of skin color, you can't pass a test. He's right. Those that are out there trying to conquer racism are the racists. And we've got to get that in focus. But he wasn't finished. He was pretty hot about this. He wasn't finished. He continued. He said, quote, this is the progressive left's form of education, dummy down kids. And Steve, Steve was one of the moderators on the on the uh, show. He said, and Steve, more importantly, dummy down kids of color because they don't believe that they can handle the skill set they required for everyone. He said, you're taking away the only tool to get 
to get a break uh, or to be able to break the poverty cycle, education. It's, it's a way to move up in society. You no longer have to read or write or count because of just because of your skin color. He said, it's insulting to anyone in this country. Well, indeed it is. It insults me. And I'm white. I don't know what's the matter with these people, but they are, are just hell-bent on destroying America and destroying the culture and destroying families and lives and kids with all of this nonsense. And it seems like they almost have been given over to the ideology that they embrace. It's almost like an obsession, if not a possession. They appear to not be able to help themselves. They just keep slogging forward through the mire and the muck of socialism and cultural Marxism and all of this stuff. Well, there's such a better way. Our founders defined that way when they founded America. The National Review put out an article that caught my attention when it was published. It's titled, Destroy the Public Education System. <laughs> it's a scathing look at public education in America. The article begins with this, with this statement. Public schools have been a catastrophe for the United States. What we're experiencing in government-run schools across the nation is producing thousands of entitled brats running the streets of Portland, Seattle, and elsewhere, burning and breaking everything they don't like while looting the things they do like. It's pathetic. I've been talking about that on this program for the last several years as this has ramped up, particularly here in the Northwest. National Review says, quote, state-run schools have undercut two fundamental conditions of healthy, tolerant society. First, they created millions of civic uh, illiterates who are disconnected from long-held values and national identity. And secondly, National Review said they've exacerbated the very inequalities that trigger the tearing apart of fissures, of the differences in our society. They say left-wing ideologues run most school districts and they decide what your children learn. They're the same ones that decide that your kid can protest the Second Amendment of the Constitution, but never in a million years for any cause that the founders, our founders, might have championed. The embedded left-wing nature of big school districts is so normalized that parents hardly ever say a word. They don't want to be embarrassed by these people. It was one thing when these schools were producing mere Democrats. It's quite another thing now that they're churning out hordes, these hordes of chillingly ignorant voters. And they're trying to lower the voting age all the time so they can perpetuate the chaos that they're creating. A study found that 60% of Americans couldn't even pass a U.S. citizenship test. (laughs) The younger the test taker, (laughs) the less likely they were to pass. About 60% of those tested didn't even know which countries their grandparents fought in World War II. Only 24% in this pretty extensive survey, only 24% knew why American colonists had fought the British. Noah Webster, one of our founding fathers, and indeed himself was the father of our public education system. He said, discipline our youth in early life in sound maxims of moral, political, and religious duties. Webster wrote in his History of the United States, and I'm quoting him, 
The brief exposition of the Constitution of the United States will unfold to young persons the principles of Republican government, and it is the sincere desire of the writer himself that our citizens should early understand that the genuine source of correct Republican principles is the Bible. (laughs) Particularly, I'm quoting him, the New Testament or the Christian religion. The father of public education continued. He said, if citizens neglect their duty and place unprincipled men or women, I would add, in office, the government will soon be corrupted. Laws will be made not for the public good so much as for the selfish or local purposes. In this case, the selfish or local purposes are to advance a broken, bankrupt, so-called progressive ideology. It's cultural Marxism. It's nothing more or less than that. Nothing more or less at all. Yesterday I was talking about the church and our responsibility when I ran out of time. We have, as the church of Jesus Christ, the biblical church, people who are born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, if you please. There is no other way to God except through His Son, Jesus Christ. And there is no amount of good works that we can do to earn our way into the kingdom of God, whether it's social justice or whatever. There is only one way to God, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ, who loved us so much that He God became flesh and dwelt among us. And sometimes we become so familiar with that if we sit in the pew two or three times a week, or even once a week, or even once a month. We become so familiar with the message of Christianity that we lose the miracle and the majesty of it all. God died for you. The God that created the universe. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit loves you and me. And he forgave me of my sins. And I didn't deserve that. But he gave it to me. That God. And I will spend eternity with him. And the reason that I will able to be able to do that is because the only thing that I have done to perpetuate that fact is to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I've never never committed a good deed that would get me to this point. I could not be good enough to have eternal life except through the death and resurrection and my acceptance of that of Jesus Christ. There is no other way given among men whereby they may be saved. This is the only way. And you see, when you put that message into the marketplace, that is the truth. And that will be the truth, whatever other people believe or act on. When you put that message into the marketplace, it creates a lot of pushback and confusion. It's not so much that Christians today are giving way to blatant unbelief, and they're say I mean, some are, but some of them we know about. They've done so publicly because they were influential personalities. But suddenly saying, you know, I've decided to be an atheist. I don't believe in God anymore. Some are doing that, but not many. But millions of Christians, unfortunately, are giving way to this blatant unbelief or they're being influenced really by a new religion that is emerging, particularly in the West, 
in America. The same worldly ideologies that gave rise to this movement of young people that I was talking about yesterday, putting on these surveys, what is your religious affiliation? They write none on there. I mentioned yesterday that Barna began calling them nuns. Now everybody is. Not like women, you know, not nuns. But N-O-N-E-S, like zero nuns. They don't have any religious affiliation, but they still understand, and some of them even believe in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they have simply checked out because they don't see the relevance of Christianity in the culture. The authority of God's word is dismissed when it contradicts this new mission of deconstructing historic Christianity. We've got too many pastors today trying to be cool, and they need to focus on the message that will transform the world and the culture. I'm not being critical. I'm just deeply concerned. Boundaries are rejected in the name of equality. Orthodoxy is political correctness. So you must toe the line or be branded a heretic or a white supremacist or whatever. In the new religion, holiness is accrued by the number of victim statuses you can accrue to yourself. And if you don't have any or you don't have many, then the only way you can pursue holiness is by becoming an ally of those who have various victim statuses. If you can identify with the black community, that makes you better, more religious. If you can identify with the gays, oh, that's great. That is in absolute contradiction to the Bible. God says, love everybody, but be true to the truth. And Jesus himself said, I am. I am the truth, the way and the life. Dr. Fauci made a little attempt at that here a while back. He said, if people reject me, they reject science. A lot of people just passed over that statement. I didn't. He sees himself as the embodiment of science. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. His heart was speaking there, I am certain. Not judging him, just observing. Conversion is becoming awakened to this cultural Marxist categories. All this stuff, the oppressed and the oppressors. That's what we're seeing in our culture today. There is such confusion. Original sin is not when Adam and Eve fell, but original sin in this new religion is privilege. Most notably, white privilege. There's no redemption in this new religion. You just keep working. Keep your head down. Shut up. Don't question. You do what we say. You wear that mask. You take off that mask. You get this shot. You don't get this shot. You do this. You ride on a train. You don't have a car. We're not going to have that kind of density. You have to live in an apartment. I mean, there's no part of our culture that isn't touched by what we believe. And that's why every day on this program, I try to connect what's happening in the culture in real time. That's why we do it live every weekday morning, originate live. We try to talk about, to the best of our ability, what's happening in the culture And we try to do so always from a biblical perspective. And that's why we do it. There's no way to sort out this mess that we have created as human beings except to look at it through the eyes of Almighty God and His Word that will never, ever change. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you for your support. We need it. 
you don't support us or haven't, please consider it. Pray about it. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.